Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. All right, so uh, Merry Christmas again, everybody. It's it's fun season. I was uh, been thinking a lot about uh, Christmas. You know, it's, uh, it's I, I people have different sort of perspectives and moods. Thank you. I love it. I love this time of year. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. In the uh, the opening line, uh, Louise May Alcott's classic "Little Women." How many of you guys anybody read "Little Women"? Yes. Opening line is what? Anybody know? Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents. And uh, I suppose that's true. Uh, Thinking about Christmas and the Christmas season, it brings with it so much stuff. And and, and there is, you know, there's a joy that comes, but there can also be an angst and a kind of a, uh, you know, this other side of that. Uh, There's a lot of things happen. It's a busy, busy season. You've got different gatherings with family and friends, and maybe your, your work has a Christmas party, and so there's, there's a lot of extra stuff on the calendar. Uh, there's usually, usually a few extra calories involved around Christmas time, uh, but there's the decorations and the lights, just, just everything, and of course, Christmas presents, lots of presents, and with, with that, uh, lots and lots of shopping, uh, it seems to me sometimes a little bit like Christmas has almost been commandeered by the retail industry. Anybody else ever feel that way? Uh, there's, there's like, you know, the Christmas shopping season, and it's, it's, it's all on the calendar. It's like, a re, it's like you got Fourth of July, Easter, you know, and, and what day does the Christmas shopping season start? Black Friday. Black Friday. Black Friday is a thing. January 1. It's on the calendar. Everybody knows what Black Friday is. And it's interesting to me, Black Friday used to be like this big shopping day, and it started at the normal time when stores opened. Then they said, no, 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 we've got we to gotta have more shopping hours, so let's bump it up. Let's open the stores at 6 a.m. And then a few years ago, what did they do? Midnight Madness. So that now we're going to open the stores if Black Friday starts at midnight. So I'm going to tell my wife a little bit. So a few years ago, Donna decides she's going to go shopping and she's going to go do Midnight Madness. She's going to go to the Woodburn Outlet Malls, which is south of our house, normal drive time, probably 20 minutes. So here, this is the funniest part of the story. She asked me, do you want to go? Do I want to go shopping at midnight? No, there's two things involved there that are not in my shopping or midnight. No, I'm going to stay home. But she did convince a couple of the kids to go with her. Did you go? Aaron went. <laughs> so they get in the car at 11.15 or 11.30, whatever. They get on I-5 South to go to Woodburn. And midnight, Thanksgiving, I-5 is a parking lot. It's completely backed up. Forget 
Oregon State football games, forget anything else. This is the worst traffic on the history of the planet in the world anywhere. Completely dead stopped on I-5 going shopping. Two and a half hours later, they made it like two exits down the freeway, gave up, turned around and came up. They they get home at like four in the morning. My son is so cranky. I can't believe we just did that. I'm never doing that again. Black Friday, yeah. So, but yeah, I'll tell you what. I like Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday is more my style. You can spend money and you don't even have to put pants on. You just, I'm just chilling in my living room buying stuff, man. Um, here's the thing with all that. It's funny. You, it can be a challenge, I think, for, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, to stay focused on what Christmas is really all about. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to get caught up in all the other stuff. And, and, I, and I don't know, I, like I said, I love all the other stuff. I'm, I'm a person who appreciates everything about it. I love to, we've, we've taken the kids and gone to Peacock Lane and walked and looked at the lights. Uh, I, we've gone to the grotto and listened to the choirs. I love, I love everything about it. But it, it can be easy to, to lose track of, of what, what is this? It's, it, you know, we've been celebrating Advent this month. Advent is a beginning, an arrival. It's the birth of Jesus. It's Emmanuel, God with us, is with us. He came to be with us. That's what this is about. And that is the sort of the underlying theme there is that there's these themes we've been celebrating, hope and joy and love and peace. That should stir those feelings in our heart. During this time of year, there should be a sense of hope, a sense of joy, a sense of, of, of peace, which by the way, I'm just going to time out for a second. Uh, last week, didn't Tucker do a good job? Did he, did he do great? Awesome. Good job, Tucker. Yeah, I mean, that was really good. Um, back on track. But you, sometimes you don't feel those things. Sometimes what, what you really feel, where you, where you end up instead of hope and joy and peace, is stress. Your stress levels go up and, and there's anxiety and there's worry and, and there's, there's uh, so, sometimes even a, a sense of sadness or depression that comes with it. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I've experienced things where I feel like everybody else is full of joy and happiness and peace right now except me. Uh, you know, there, people are smiling and waving, everybody's saying Merry Christmas, and I don't, I, it's, I'm not feeling it, and it's not there. Over the past few months, if you've been with us, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and one of the themes that, that runs throughout Luke is, is this idea that he speaks out and he warns us as, as believers against the pursuit of wealth and trusting in riches, and he, and he calls the people of God time and time again to radical generosity. And, and, and that's, I'm, I'm gonna say, that's one of the reasons. We're, we're very committed here. If you are part of our fellowship and, you, and you've been around at all, we're very, very committed to caring for those in need in our community. And I want to say that one of the reasons that we're so committed to that is, is this reason. Yes, it's the right thing to do. Yes, it's biblically mandated. But in addition to that, it breaks that spirit of consumerism and that I, me, me, mine culture that we live in in us. It's good for us to serve others. It, it changes my heart. And anybody who's ever 
come on a Thursday or if you helped out at, at Christmas, you get that sense. It, it, there's something that happens inside of you. There's a transformation that takes place. When I step out of uh, what I get and, and what my life is about, and I focus my heart and my attention on, on giving and caring for others, um, there's, there's a transformation that takes place that's very real. The, the average American will spend $920 this year on Christmas gifts. Uh, some of you are going, that guy got off easy. Um, but that's the average. The disp- there's a lot of, of uh, you know, difference. So some people will spend much less. Others will spend considerably more, up into the thousands. But the average across the board in the United States of America, $920 on Christmas gifts. With that, there, there is also other expenses around Christmas, isn't there? It's not just presents. There, there is lights and decorations, a Christmas tree. There's, there's food. There's gatherings and parties and all that stuff. And it adds up. And it gets, it gets expensive. And I, I want to say this. Can I take a minute and just be pastoral? Uh, don't forget to give here during the holiday season. Um, you know, it's easy to think. I, I, I know how it works, believe me. Uh, it's an expensive month. We're, we have a lot of going out. We're a little bit short. We'll just, we'll just reduce our tithe a little bit because the church doesn't charge us interest. Um, but our expenses stay the same. So with that, um, just a, a little reminder there. But I want to I talk about finding balance at Christmas. If we could go to the title slide. Uh, keeping balance at Christmas, and then uh, let's pray. I, I just I want to try to encourage you in all the stuff of the season today. Lord, I, I pray that you would open our, our hearts to really hear and receive this morning from you and to be able to walk in a sense of uh, the reality of joy and peace that comes with you in, in a reality of the sense of hope that we have in you. Uh, in your name we pray, amen. Uh, many of you are aware that I, I serve with Vineyard Missions in addition to pastoring our church here uh, as a regional coordinator for church planting and partnerships in Mexico and Central America. And that allows me the opportunity to travel to those locations fairly regularly, three or four times a year at least. Uh, I, I'm in uh, Latin America. And it gives you the opportunity to really see life from a different perspective. I've had this sort of theme that's been on my heart throughout much of the year this year, uh, and it's, it's this, that, that my world is not the world. Sometimes we're so focused on just our life and our world, and we, you know, we go about our business, do our thing, and we think that's the way it is. This is the way life is. But it's not. It's the way life is for me. It might be the way life is for us, but it's not the way life is for everybody else. It's very, very different. We, we lose sight, and, and I want to I say this, you know, hopefully with encouragement today, but we lose sight of how good we really have it here. Uh, you, you see people in, in other places, and you see the disparity, and it makes you, uh, sometimes I've had this experience, I almost feel guilty for being an American. I, I feel guilty because my life is so much easier than the lives of others, and I haven't necessarily done anything to deserve that, nor have they done anything to deserve the life that they have. And I think when we think about Christmas time and the extra expense of Christmas and all that, these things just kind of are magnified, at least in my mind. 
It's all weird anyway. It's random. We all know, everybody know. You can, I'm not going to burst any bubbles this morning. You know that December 25th is not Jesus' birthday, right? We don't know, we don't know when Jesus' birthday is. Um, but it's, we celebrate it on December 25th, and we should celebrate Jesus' birthday. It's an important day. So we don't know what day it is, so we pick that day. That's fine. I'm not down on that. I'm just saying it's all kind of random. Uh, and beyond, beyond the date itself, if you think about it, I, you know, virtual, very little of what happens around Christmas has anything to do with Jesus. You, know, you got a Christmas tree, you got lights, you got ho-ho, you got figgy pudding, whatever. None of that has anything to do with Jesus. It's, it's just, it's, it's all extracurricular. And, and here's the concern. The concern is that with all of that, we get focused on different things. It trivializes Jesus a little bit. He becomes, you know, just another element in the story. There's sort of this greater narrative that surrounds Christmas. You know, Santa Claus flying reindeer and six pound nine ounce baby Jesus. He's just another part of the story. And I think there's a potential tragedy for us in that. So what are we to do? How, how do we rectify that in our own hearts and lives? Um, a few years ago, as an author I enjoy, uh, usually I read uh, novels when I'm on vacation, but a guy named John Grisham writes uh, legal novels. But he wrote this little book called Skipping Christmas. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's really, really good. Now, it, they made a movie out of it later, and the movie was okay, but the book is really good. And, and in the book, it's about this family that they get kind of fed up with all the hoopla around Christmas, and they're just going to opt out. They're just, we're, gonna, we're not going to do Christmas this year. And they try really hard not to do Christmas, and they, they find out you can't not do Christmas. You can't just opt out. That, that's not the answer. That won't work. Um, it doesn't go well for them. And when you think about the world and the disparity in the world, poverty and injustice, not only in, in foreign countries, but in, in, to some degree in our own country, it can be overwhelming, and it's hard for you to decide, what do I do? How do I approach this? Um, because we, we really do have it relatively good. Now, we're not millionaires, if you are a millionaire, come and see me later. <laughs> Most of us are not millionaires, but we do have homes. We have homes with heat in them. And, and we have cars, maybe an older car. Maybe you're, you know, your car breaks down, but you have a car. And, and you, have, you, you have clothes, and you have food, and, you, and you, you have the basic things you need for life. You may or may not spend $920 on Christmas gifts this year, but I'm, I'm going to... I'm fairly certain everybody in this room will buy some Christmas gifts for your loved ones, for your family, your friends, those around you. Um, and again, that's not the case everywhere. So part of my, uh, in my travel, some of you have been to Nicaragua with me. I've, the last couple of years working all over Central America, but for about the last 15 years, been focused on Nicaragua. Uh, which is, uh, as I've told you before, the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So only Haiti has a higher level of poverty than Nicaragua. And I've seen things there that rattle your cage. So we, we, we took a drive one day, and at, the, at this time, this was a few years ago, it's, it's since changed, it's improved a little bit, but at this time, there is a dump called La Chureca in Managua, the capital city, 
And at that time, there were over 2,000 people living in the dump. That was their home. And there were children who had been born in the dump who had never been outside of it. So when you say, my world is not the world, their world was that dump. That's all they'd ever seen. So again, it's, a, it's an impoverished country, but they've never seen the upside of the city of the impoverished country. All they've ever seen is the dump. And they're scavenging for food. I watched people, when the trash trucks come in and they back up, and they start to raise the thing up so that they're going to dump the trash out, people clamoring and climbing up the side of those trucks because they want to be the first one to get the stuff in that truck because that's new stuff. All the other stuff has already been picked through. And people actually were, not when I was there, I didn't see it, but I I know that people have been killed, they've been crushed by trash trucks trying to get in to get the trash to be the first one before anybody else picks through that stuff. And then... Making it all so much more challenging is, I watched this and I realized the only difference between me and those people is that they were born here and I was born where I was born and that's it. There's absolutely no other difference. Can you keep that baby quiet, please? Gosh. Just because he's cute, he thinks he can get away with anything. But here's what I want to say to you today. We can't feel guilty about that. You can't feel guilty that you were born here and they were born there. Um, there, there. There is both a balance and a tension in living and walking in the kingdom of God. And it's very real. I, I would challenge everyone to consider how much do you spend and where and how do you spend your money at this time of year and all year. And to evaluate that. And to prayerfully consider, could could I be doing something else? But at the same time, do not allow guilt to overwhelm your heart over the things that you have and that you do. Here's what happens. If you begin to allow guilt to come into your heart because you're, you're better off than someone else, it doesn't take very long until that guilt becomes cynicism. And you get cynical. And what happens when you become cynical is you become judgmental and you begin to look at everybody else like they're not doing enough. I, years and years ago, uh, the church we were at, there was a gal in the church who really allowed that kind of progression to happen in her own heart. And she was collecting shoes for orphans uh, in Mexico and put a barrel out in the foyer of the church. People were supposed to buy shoes and bring them and put them in the barrel so that she could take them to this place where she was working in Mexico. And after a few weeks, uh, and it was her thing, it wasn't a a part of the church, sort of a separate thing, but only a few people had dropped shoes in the barrel. There wasn't very many pairs of shoes in the barrel. And she got really angry. And she said to me among, uh, I was one of a group of people that were listening, being accosted, because I can't believe people just go, they buy shoes for their own kids, but they don't, have, they don't put shoes in the barrel. I remember thinking, well, I don't know. I, I think I have responsibility to buy shoes for my own kids. I don't want us to ever come to that place where we allow guilt to become cynicism, to become judgment, because what happens next is we just become a Pharisee. And that's not where we should be at. 
you know, does it ever occur to you there's weird things in Scripture? Does that? Go to the the next slide, if you would. Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Can, Can I just say, if I were in the room when that happened, that would make me uncomfortable. I, I feel like that is an uncomfortable situation right there. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And again, I'm going to be really honest here, and I'm going to say the person I identify most with in this story is Judas. Clearly, though, that's not the kingdom perspective. Go to the next slide. This is what Jesus has to say about it. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. That is, that is a very different perspective than I think most of us would have most of the time. Quite honestly, I think I would be thinking along the same lines as Judas. Uh, I tried to figure it out. It's really hard. What would that year's, you know, what's the equivalent value of today's market, today's economy for that bottle of perfume? I don't know. Um, Years ago, back in the the 80s, I heard Mike Bickle teach on this passage. Anybody know who Mike Bickle is? He's a guy, I hop, but uh, Mike, it was great. He, He somehow came up with the number $30,000, that the bottle of perfume, at least in the 80s, it's probably more now, was worth $30,000. If you ever heard Mike speak, <coughs> he has a really raspy voice to begin with. <coughs> At the time he taught this message, he was suffering from polyps on his throat from talking too much. And so his voice was raspier than normal. And I'll never forget him leaning over the podium and going, 30 thousand dollars. It's frightening. It was frightening. $30,000 is a year's wages. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But it's a very different perspective than most of us might have. Another weird thing. So, the first miracle, Jesus' first miracle kind of a throwaway, really. I mean, isn't it? Look, <coughs> you're, the Son of God comes to earth to be with people. 30 years in preparation, <coughs> getting ready to launch his ministry. Finally, he launches his ministry. What does he do? Doesn't heal anybody, doesn't raise the dead. He turns water to wine at a party. And I'm just going, really, that's it? That's how you get this ball rolling. You, 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 there's lepers around you. you. You know, there's hungry people. And you're going to make wine out of water for people that have been drinking for three days. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to, to understand that. There's a kingdom perspective that says it's okay to rejoice. It's okay to enjoy life. It's okay to be where you are. Look at... First Timothy for a second. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, 
nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. This is a fantastic passage. Not only has it got a little play on words in there, but um, he doesn't tell them not to be rich. He doesn't tell them to give everything away. Uh, and, and let's clarify, okay, first off. Uh, when, he, when he says, tell those who are rich, that's us. Okay, we are the 2%. He's talking to you and I, uh, not anybody else. By global standards, we are wealthy. And um, in, in this play on words, tell those who are rich that God richly provides for their enjoyment everything they need. God doesn't provide, his heart isn't to provide for you just barely enough to get by. God's heart for you is not to provide the bare essentials of life. No, God's heart is to provide for you everything you need for your enjoyment. Uh, he, th- th- that's, that's it. He, he wants you to be able, he wants us to be able to enjoy life. But with that, there, there's a tension. There's a tension here. And, and I want living in the kingdom of God creates tension in our lives. If living in the kingdom of God does not create tension in your life, you're probably not doing it right. There, there will be some tension involved in that. Uh, and, and, and that's by design. God wants us to look to him and depend on him and to think through issues and not to rest in, in this, this place of just living life. He wants us to, to be continually searching and seeking out his purpose and his will today, in this moment, in this place. There's other tension. We talk about kind of the now and the not yet of the kingdom, and that's sort of the overriding tension. But there's a lot of tension underneath that. And one of those things is this one related to finances and being able to enjoy the blessings of life. Uh, I want to be able to enjoy the good things of life that God has provided for my enjoyment and not feel guilty about that. But at the same time, I want to continually be generous and and live with really uh, radical generosity to give extravagantly. And there's a tension between those two things. What do I give? What do I keep? What do I enjoy? What do I not do? Um, We cannot, as followers of Jesus, we cannot just pretend it's all okay. We can't ignore poverty. We can't ignore injustice. We can't ignore what's going on around us and just stay in our little hermetically sealed bubble and say everything is nice and neat and clean and okay in my world. Um, The other side of that coin, though, is that we can't fix everything. We can't feed everybody. Years ago, I was sitting in my office talking with another guy on our staff at the time I was still at the Anaheim Vineyard, and John Wimber walked by, looked in at us, and then he was gone for a few minutes, and he came back by, and the second time he walked by, he stuck his head in the door, and he goes, well, did you guys solve all the problems of the world yet? I go, no, but we identified a few. We're working on it. You can't feed everybody. We can't, we can't solve everything. And I think that that's why it's important for us to learn to listen and to discern and we talk about doing what the Father is doing. We want to we ask God, what are you doing today? What do you have for me today? And look, here, here's the thing. God might call you 
to give sacrificially at some point. He might say, I want you to do this for this person or that whatever, and it, it might hurt a little bit. You might go, oh man, that's, that's a little more than I was thinking about. But if God calls you to do it, he'll make a way for you to do that. Whether it's to sponsor a child, help a family in need, take care of a neighbor, whatever, um, to be open to listening to the voice of God and allowing him to lead you to do what he's calling you to do in a given situation. Uh, it, it could be it could be sacrificial, and that that it, it could be hard to do, but we trust him in that. We 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 have a saying here. It's it's on the backboard, and it's sort of our little motto that we're blessed to be a blessing, and that's really what that means is that we receive. We want to re, we want to receive well. We want to receive the blessing of God and understand what He's done, what He's given for us, and 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 to to be okay with that. But we also want to be able to share that then with others and give that uh, to other people as we can. There's, there's a give and a take and a, and a trusting God and a following his leading in every moment, every way, every way as we continue to do that. So I would say this. Here's my, my little, uh, you know, sort of closing statement. Uh, you guys can come back up if you want. But receive with joy and gratitude and give with joy and generosity. So joy and gratitude to receive, joy and generosity to give. So here's, here's the bottom line. Christmas season, enjoy. Enjoy. Have fun. Enjoy this time of year. Worship, pray, spend time with Jesus, remember Jesus, and celebrate. Celebrate with your friends. Celebrate. Buy gifts for your kids. Have fun. Drink the eggnog. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's okay to celebrate. It's okay to have joy. We, God, God wants us to be blessed, to be a blessing. We can't be a blessing to others, really, if we don't receive the blessing first. Be willing to give what God calls you to give, but also be okay with accepting what God wants to give to you, okay? Let's stand. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org forward slash give.